We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And this is the Other Side of Hell podcast. Yes, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the listeners and to the viewers. Thank you for tuning in again. It's good to be here. Back again this week with another fun topic. Fun topic. And great war story. Very uh, energetic war story. Lots of energy. A little, little different than we might generally yeah. here but yeah. uh but With, still from mike out of new york mike out of new york yeah when when, when we say new york on the show do we always have to have some sort probably. of accent probably yeah. but anyway it's it's good man his shit was good i'm excited you know and and as as we do here everybody knows that we're in recovery everybody knows that we had a a uh, drug or alcohol problem and um we're not afraid to let people know about it you know so we decided to talk a little bit about that recovery covering out loud why recover out loud you know so we got that from mike's war story because he's not afraid to let the world know that he used for a long time and doesn't anymore and 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 that's kind of the theme of everybody that we have on the show. All the stories that we've had are people willing to to kind of air out their laundry mm-hmm. for the world to see. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's scary for them, but uh, uh, we get a lot of good feedback letting us know that a lot of these stories are helping a lot of people. So we thought it would be fun to, to, to talk about recovering out loud and why we recover out loud. All right. Yeah, I think it's a good question because uh, in uh, in some of the circles that we roll with, um, you know, there's this idea that uh, that anonymity plays a key role in our recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is called Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes by recovering out loud the way that we do, the way that we um, do via the podcast or Instagram or whatever the case may be, like... It's kind of, um, it's different. It, yeah. it, it, it goes against, um, the trend, um, or what we might most commonly associate to a 12 step program. Yeah. Um, so I think it is worth talking about because, um, I mean, why, why is anonymity a thing Yeah. and why are more and more people recovering out loud? Um, I think it's worth discussing. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, And that's it. That's the show. I mean, mean, (laughs) thanks for tuning in. It's been a a great week. (laughs) Yeah. Be anonymous. Uh, Why recover out loud and why, why anonymity? Why anonymity? Right. And, and so, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, not letting anybody know even though everybody already knows. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it, it's funny. Like, because I mean, I, I recover out loud a lot 
I, I, I let everybody know that I'm an alcoholic in recovery. I didn't, I tried to let nobody know that I was an alcoholic, not in recovery, tried to hide that shit, you know, but, um, I think, I think coming in here, it's, it's a little bit freaky, you know, like, like who's going to know what, and what's the judgment against it? Cause there's, there's this opinion you mm-hmm. know, when I, when I, when I first, very, very first heard about a 12 step meeting. You know, and maybe I've shared this on the on the show before, but my neighbor across the street uh, came over and told me, "Don't ever go to AA. It's a bunch of crybabies there, fucking crying about their problems." And I was like, "Oh man, I, that doesn't sound very great." Was he an alcoholic? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, he had all the symptoms. Sure. Yeah, but it, it was it was pre heavy use you know at that point i was maybe smoking weed every couple months or something smoking cigarettes regularly but not really getting messed up because i was really young at that time but you know as we come in i always i always hear this you know remember what you see here who you see here when you leave here let it stay here and that's a that's a common thing but let me let me put this out there real quick that that we are not speakers or Spokesman. spokesman for any 12-step group and we we try to disclaim that at the beginning of the show we just we are members of a 12-step group and we are alcoholics in recovery and we do recover out loud and a lot of people do um and so you know, coming in here and, and talking about the anonymity aspect of recovery um i think you know, doing this stuff gets a little bit personal and, and some of the things that are shared need to be shared in confidence. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, anonymity is kind of a, kind of a, I don't, I, I don't know. Cause when I think about the word anonymity, I think keeping private, keeping, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not saying names or, well, and I think that that's a, that's a part of it. When we talk about anonymity, like it's, uh, it's important for me to never disclose the identity of anybody that, that doesn't want it. Right. Right. It's not my place to tell, you know, my boss at work that I saw so-and-so at an AA meeting. Right. Right. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it, but I mean, and you know, it feels like that goes without saying like that, you know, it should be, um, common knowledge that you don't just fucking go around telling other people's business to whomever might be listening. But that being said, like, sometimes we need to hear that shit. Like sometimes we need to hear like, Hey dude, like keep this to yourself. Like when you leave here, like let, (laughs) let, 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 let it be here. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about anonymity, Um, and versus like recovering out loud, I think that anonymity has its place within, uh, sobriety for sure. Um, it has its place within recovery. I think, especially in a 12 step program that it's important that people, like you said, know that we are not spokesmen for, um, for a 12 step program. And that I think a lot of the concern with anonymity and the reason why it's mentioned is that. If I go out as a person of AA and say, um, yes, I am a member of AA, I am sober, and and then I proceed to 
um, drink or even uh, allow my character defects to, you know, come out rampant and, (laughs) and people think that I'm a representation of AA, then they're less inclined to, um, to move towards that program. And so um, I think that that's one reason for it. And I do think that back in the time where, you know, the program um, was established that it was very, very important. You didn't talk about being an alcoholic right. to, openly to a lot of people. Like it was, it, it had so much more of a stigma then than it does now that you couldn't, you couldn't openly be an alcoholic in a lot of these workplaces. Yeah. Um, Some, you, sometimes you'd get fired. You, I, I mean, way back then you could be placed in an asylum for being an alcoholic right. and, yeah. and the asylums were fucked up back then. <laughs> They probably still are now, but I know that they were fucked up back then. You know, shock therapy. Well, they didn't know therapy. what to do with drinkers, right. man. Yeah, yeah they didn't they, know. They didn't know what to do with us. And so when when this thing started, when when people started to recover from alcoholism, and their, the the definitions started coming out, um, solutions started happening. The medical profession started getting on board with the disease concept of it. You know, more and more research was done. Um, we started learning that um, that alcoholics don't act the way they act sober that they do when they're drunk and and that this stuff can be arrested and all those things you know but it was it was very important early on to to really not let your boss know that you're in a recovery program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though even though like making amends is part of that but but um, it's it's not everybody's business Right. It's, it's really not, it's, mm-hmm. especially for people that don't understand. Now, for, for me and you, uh, it's uh, we don't really give a fuck who knows that we have a uh, colorful past. Right. Right. Um, who knows what parts of that matter to me a little bit. You know, there's certain things that that uh, I don't need to introduce to somebody the first time I meet them. Sure. Right. Um not everybody needs to know that I'm an alcoholic in recovery, especially in my, my profession where I'm a contractor and, and I go into people's homes and, you know, do remodels, tear it down. They give me money right up front on the faith that I'll, that I'll complete the project at hand. Um, a lot of that stuff, you know? And so th- I think, I think anonymity is kind of a safeguard in a way, but at the same time to recover out loud is, is also kind of a safeguard. Right. Mm-hmm. So that people know um, as many people know as possible to keep an eye out. Like if, yeah. if I'm drinking and you know that I'm a person in recovery, then then, you know, that there's a problem mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it may need some some addressing outside anything that I have the ability to do myself. Because if I'm drinking, then I've already jumped off the fucking cliff. Yeah. And it's going to take an act of God to get me back. But. You know, and then other behaviors as well. So, uh, and then I, I also like what you said about other people. Um, it's really not my place to either one diagnose anyone as an alcoholic. Right. Um, I can give my experience and my strength and my opinion on, on what those things look like. You know, we talked a little bit about that on the last episode, um, the real alcoholic and Mm -hmm. what that looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, where, uh, the diagnosis and, and the opinion that really lies on the person and, and how much 
they want people to know. I know a lot of people in the professional uh, treatment industry choose to keep their own alcoholism uh, right a little more yeah anonymous than and we know a few people like that yeah that they don't they don't openly share their stories they're not you know big on talking about specific aspects of their past um, and uh, and that's okay like, yeah you know everybody has their own way with it and um, I think that there is benefit to it, but I also see the the hesitancy with anybody that might choose to um, to recover a little bit more with a little bit more anonymity. Um, I think that that's okay, and 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 that's the thing is like I'm not here to tell anybody how to get sober. Um, I don't know if they need to recover out loud or if they need to um, to be more anonymous. I just know that. In my case, there is a lot of benefits to it. One is the accountability aspect. Like, I need, um, I need, you know, others to look at, at what I'm doing and say, you know, if they see that I'm not behaving in a way that um, coincides with a healthy sobriety, then they're going to tell me. You know? Yeah. Um, but I also think that it's important for me to, uh, to connect with other people. And a lot of times by sharing that information with them, um, you know, even if they aren't alcoholic, a lot of times they'll reveal something to me that they have also struggled with. Yeah. And, uh, and by doing that, it's like we're connecting, right? Mm-hmm. Like by me sharing immediately or rather quickly, um, a very, very vulnerable part of my past and, and my story. Um, uh, you know, other people are just a lot more inclined to do the same. And by connecting in that way, I'm able to um, hopefully break down some of the anxiety that exists in, uh, in establishing new relationships. And, um, and, uh, and that, I mean, that is one of a lot of reasons why for me, it's sort of, it's sort of important. Yeah. And you know, uh, gaining those relationships. And then uh, if, if people know that we're a safe place to talk about this stuff, a couple of things can Mm -hmm. come out of that too, is, is, is one is, is a new outlook on a way to grow further spiritually. Right. So if, if I'm in a situation and I'm able to bring up the topic that, uh, I am an alcoholic, I am in recovery. And it turns out that another person is an, uh, an alcoholic and they're in recovery and they start sharing the way that they do it. I may be able to gain something from, from that. Yeah. Right? Great point. Be able to, to expand on my own spirituality or my own understanding of the disease that I have, or take a look at it from a different perspective, as well as being out there for a safe place for somebody to open up for the, for the first time and, and relate with that, that early stage of, of admittance and, and, um, confession as far as like the, the darkness of my past goes, uh, me being able to go out there and put it out there that says, you know, I've done these crimes. I've, I've experienced these things sexually. Um, I've had this part of my self-esteem, uh, affected by my own behavior. I've looked at myself this way in the mirror and we put it out there on the podcast the way that we have hopefully uh, somebody that feels that way that wasn't able to identify that stuff is able to identify that stuff and move into a direction of, of wellness based on my willingness to recover out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, I want to be safe. Um, you know, when I go into a restaurant, uh, I kind of look at it, I guess this is like, like rolling through me. Like I want to, I want a allergy, uh, menu, right? Like I want to know what's in the shit. And so if I know that about myself, I can go to places where I know that the allergy won't be inflamed by the things that I'm being around. Right. So, um, uh, people know that I'm in recovery, then I'm less likely to get invited to a bar for, for lunch. Right. I'm less likely to, uh, you know, in, end up in a situation where I'm like in danger, like over at a friend's house where they're taking fucking bong rips cause it's new year's or, or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a little bit safer for me in the circles that I run with. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that, uh, I really appreciate the idea of, uh, of it making us safe because I think that, um, in the past, at least that there has been a lot of danger associated to recovering out loud. And by that, I mean, you're jeopardizing your character, um, because, you know, we didn't, we didn't know the things that we know then that we do now about alcoholism. And, and I dare say that uh, that nearly everybody in today's world um, has been affected or knows somebody that has been affected by alcoholism or, or drug addiction. Yeah. And even if like you haven't yourself dealt with that personally, generally everybody has somebody close to them that has and have enough, at least enough information about it, hopefully that, um, that the stigma is, is a lot less, um, I want to say harmful than it used to be. And, uh, and so I think that with that in mind, like sometimes when we recover openly, it, it plays a role in reducing that stigma even further, you know, like, and I think one of the biggest things that we hear said here on the podcast that we you know I know we said it last episode and we've had many people in our war stories say this but it's like okay well then what does the alcoholic look like you Mm -hmm. know because we have this idea this notion of what an alcoholic or a drug addict look like and we've seen many on the show who are upstanding citizens (laughs) who don't look like yeah, really, know, really well groomed. Yeah, exactly. You know, beautiful people um, who come from all different walks of life. Yeah. Um, very, you know, loving families. And, and they're not what you typically associate um, a drug addict to. Right. And, uh, and I think that by recovering out loud, um, as Mike does, as, as we do, and many people that we interact with do, um, we are, you know, furthering, um, the, uh, the reduction of the stigma in yeah. that, in that. And I think that that's an important reason to recover out loud as well. Yeah. Um, mind you, like, we're not telling anybody to do it. Right. 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 You're right. 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 Yeah, right, like, right, right, right. 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 <laughs> we're not, we're not actually <laughs> right. saying, Hey, you should recover out loud. Like, yeah. nope, that's not. It's not a thing. Yeah, we're just kind of discussing the pros and cons right. of it and, and mulling it over and mm-hmm. what it what it looks like and the benefits and the 
you know, what, why it used to be the way it is and how it's changing now mm-hmm. and, and all those things. Cause, cause it is such a wide spectrum of, of people that are affected by alcoholism. You know, Mike is, Mike is on the spectrum of like homelessness and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heavy, heavy drug use, uh, you know, family affected by it. His, it, it you know, he'll get into a story, but his dad was a heroin addict. And then, you know, we have people like Alyssa who, who, you know, is, is a school, you know, a principal of school right, and, right. and, you know, uh, always, always never lost a job or, you know, you'd look at her and, and think, God, this woman's never had a problem in her life. And, and she's able to share her story and Mike's able to share his and, and you can hear how they feel the same. Right. right? And, mm-hmm. and need kind of the same, same thing. And so, we, you know, and we've shared it so many times ourselves, like we couldn't have had a different upbringing. But here we are at the same table talking about the same disease that we have and the way that we, that we deal with it on a daily basis. Um, for me, recovering out loud means I have an opportunity to share this stuff with somebody who I may not have had the opportunity, you know, I'll be Mm. keeping this inside of myself. I'm walking past dying people left and right versus me recovering out loud. I'm running into dying people left and right and, and able to help direct them and, and tell them how I did it, not how they need to do it, but this is what I did. Mm -hmm. And, And that's really all I can offer. Um, is, is this is how I did it. This is how I continue to do it. And if that's something you'd like to try, I'll, I'll get into more depth with that with you. Um, here's some things that you can expect from it as far as what I learned through my own process. Yeah. Yeah. But also through the process of this stuff, I've also seen people do it as far as I could tell the best of their ability, the way that, that, that I suggested or that I shared with them and it didn't work for them for whatever reason right mm-hmm. and so it's not like we're the end all yeah. know all yeah. do all for this stuff what i do know is that it seems like we suffer a lot alike it seems like um and it seems like there's those common threads of success right the community the transparency the making amends the willingness you know when we put those things into into action across the board regardless of how or what group you're in it seems like those things are the things that work for combating the illness of of alcoholism and being out front and present to show that and talk about it and and put it out there you know people are able to hear it for the first time yeah very well said and i think that uh like it um, as, as we were, as you were talking about that, I was actually like sort of, um, not paying attention. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I mean like it, 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 uh, what it reminds me of actually is like being gay. Like, is that weird? Like, like I didn't know you were gay, but I'm, uh, yeah, ahead. and I'm not. And here's the thing is, um, I hope that nobody will take offense to this. Like, I feel like this is a fair, like actually a very fair, um, uh, analogy, analogy. Thank you. Um, in that back in the day, like it was not easy to be, um, gay out loud. Right. 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 Um, and now like there is scores of people around the world who are living openly gay and there are still people in the world who will 
um, discriminate against them despite whether they are living closeted or living out loud. Um, and, uh, and there are still people who will support them in that, um, because they know that that's a part of their lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And, and the same is true, I think for, you know, addicts and alcoholics is like, we no longer have to hide that aspect about ourselves. But if we choose to sort of come out of the closet with our addict and alcoholism, then we can expect the same thing. Yeah. There's, there's going to be people who will look at that and maybe judge us for it. And then there's going to be people who will, um, look at that and support us in that. Um, and I think that, um, that's a fair, that's a fair comparison because what it is that I'm after, um, a lot of times when, you know, recovering out loud is to, inspire others that it's okay to do so right that that if you have these problems like it's okay to talk about them it's okay to um to to get help and to know that there is hope yeah right like you don't have to live that way yeah you can come out (laughs) yeah when you're sharing that it reminded me of you know when i was 24 and i was in treatment I, I don't know why I remember this from time to time and it blows me away, but I was in treatment at 24 years old, uh, on conspiracy to deliver methamphetamine charges with a five year prison sentence over my head. Um, you know, and I'm like a month and a half into this treatment program and my dad and my mom come over and my dad and I'm talking to my parents and all of a sudden my dad out of nowhere, he's like, I'm really proud of you, son. You know, and I'm like, fucking what? <laughs> you're, you're, I'm in fucking treatment. And like, you're proud of me? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're in here, you're doing the work. You're, I can hear it in your voice that things are changing. Hmm. You're talking differently. You're, you know, all these, all these things. And to this day, like my parents still, like when they see the podcast or, the people that love me, they're like, well, you're just so proud of the way that you've changed. And if, if we're not recovering out loud, if I'm not talking about this stuff, then nobody's going to know then that I changed. Know, yeah. Nobody's going to know that anything's different. You know, mm-hmm. um, like the old me will persist in the minds of the people around me or the people that I've come in contact with. Mm-hmm. And, and that person is gone. That's uh, I'm not the same person that I was when I got here 10 years ago. I'm not. You know, there's a lot of difference between what I was and what I am now and and having the ability to hopefully help other people by putting ourselves out there like Mike has and you have and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many other people that have been on the show by putting ourselves out there. We're going to say something that's going to plant a seed or resonate with somebody else that gives them the hope that they need in order to take the first step in the right direction of changing their own lives. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, as, 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 as you were sharing that story, I was, um, thinking about another important part of my recovery and I feel like I'm not alone here is humility, right? (laughs) So is there a way for us to recover out loud and maintain that humility? And, and why is humility such an important part of, of sobriety? Gosh, it, it, it brings up an interesting point because, um, you know, being on this platform and connecting with other 
people that are recovering out loud. We've seen so many recover out loud and, and be lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's been a, a influx in, of of egotism once uh, people start getting listened to. Uh, one of the things that when I first got with Marty, my sponsor, it was funny because we go back and we talk about our first meeting and you were, you were, you were there. We, yeah. he, he won a, he won a, uh, drawing from the podcast and he wants some merch and stuff. And then we got on a zoom call and when we realized that we knew each other, right. We just kind of wanted to show each other how recovered we were, <laughs> right. Which wasn't very, uh, uh, humble it wasn't very humble but also not a surprise but yeah obviously right right? and so yeah it's it's really easy to get lost in the excitement of knowing the answer to this to the problem today or this moment or what Mm -hmm. worked yesterday and and having that well received and then my ego flaring up and going i know something right like i know this thing you know but humility uh, if it's, if it's not a willing part of your recovery, it will be a forced part, whether it be through relapse and re-entry mm-hmm. or some dark spiritual place or, you know, lose some ground momentum, like, like it will be painful. There will be humility forced back into your life, you know? Um, and so, yeah, humility is a huge part of it to, to just understand that that what I know today could change. Yeah. Right. And I've shared about that so many times. I, I, I never want to be so rigid in what I think I know that I'm not willing to change that as, as I grow along spiritual lines. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I don't man, the, the fucking pain of the last time I got here remains with me. And and that's another thing about recovering out loud is, is, is I get to talk about this and remember that it fucking sucked when I got here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when we come in here and we talk about this every week that we have a disease of alcoholism that was forced upon us, you know, the recovery is forced upon us through a series of painful events that we were given a solution through our willingness to grow along those spiritual lines, take, take action through people that were recovering out loud, showing us the direction that we could go. You know, we're in here and we're able to talk about that every week keeps me, uh, close to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's another benefit of recovering out loud, right? Like just doing that. And then looking at, looking at what happens when I get up on my soapbox with, my recovery process sure. and how recovered I am. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, get fucking knocked back down. Well, and that's just what I was going to say is I feel like anytime that that's the case, like I start feeling really, really good. And, um, I, I forget like without humility, I start thinking like this shit's easy. <laughs> right. I got this. <laughs> You know, and and without humility, it is easy, right? Yeah, and watch me just show you how easy it can be. Yeah, and uh, and that's not that that's not that does not serve me well, right? Right. Like, if I can sit down and say, you know what, like I'm just going to do this despite thinking that I know better, despite thinking that I have it figured out, despite you know thinking that I'm above or below this, like I'm just going to do as instructed yeah because it's what you know the person before me it's what they did and uh and have some humility in that i find that uh that 
I'm much more, uh, what's the way probably grounded, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm much more grounded in and rooted in, uh, in that action than, uh, as, as being just action as opposed to anything that's going to feed my ego. Sure. Um, and so I think that, yeah, humility, humility is important and it is possible, I think, to have humility and still recover out loud. Like for sure, really like all I'm doing by recovering out loud is like sharing my, sharing what I might share in a meeting with everybody. Right. Right. And, and I think that that's important is like, yes, we, um, we were given something that was so freely given to somebody else. Um, you know, we, we asked for this person's help. They ask somebody for help. They give us their their strength, and wisdom, experience, strength, and hope, and uh, and they may not recover out loud. Your sponsor recovers out loud. Mine right. does not. Right. 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 Um, and uh, and does that change my relationship with him? Not really. Like he's still. I mean, he's been on the podcast, but yeah. but he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he's not on any sort of social media. Like, um, he doesn't generally talk about it openly. Um, but he's a, he's a damn good sponsor and a really good friend. And, uh, and so I think that it all kinds, all kinds, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I think that absolutely like humility has to play a key role. And if I can't recover out loud and remain humble, then maybe I shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, um, because there's always that chance that I'm going to get knocked back on my ass. And, uh, and I really like what you said. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to be forced into some sort of humility if I don't already have it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's true. It is. Yeah. There's, there's that, there's that daily feeding of humble pie, man. It's like, it's like our, our refrigerator produces humble pie on its own and we have to eat a little bit of it every day. There's other stuff in there you can eat along with it but if you don't eat that daily daily dose it continues to multiply until that's all you have to fucking eat mm. you know you run out of all the other food and your fridge continues to produce humble pie and a straight humble pie diet is nowhere anyone wants to be yeah, it's not I like that analogy it's not too. that good yeah it's just not yeah well yeah man uh, and, and to be honest, man, I, I, I enjoy for me personally, I enjoy, uh, recovering out loud. One of the things that is important for everyone to remember, and I think this goes along all aspects of cleaning your house, right? Whether you do it with a therapist or a sponsor or a clergyman or, you know, a trusted friend, whatever, whatever, right. Part of, part of recovering is cleaning your house which means you're going to kind of air out some of your dirty laundry you know we talk openly here about a lot of the negative shit that we did both in and out of recovery like like especially a lot of it that we did when we were using and drinking you know the people we'd harm the crimes we'd committed the experiences we had that were negative you know and then and then some of the things that we still struggle with on this side of the table as far as uh, character defects and desires and those kind of things we share those things now, it would it would do no one any good to go in and share that stuff with somebody under the the assumption that they're going to go out and tell somebody else, right? And so, like when I started doing my step work with my sponsor, one of the things that he said to me was, 
anything that you say here will stay here with me. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it doesn't matter what you tell me. I don't care how bad it gets from, you know, if you murdered somebody or you fucking lied to your grandma about stealing a piece of candy, like on, on either one of those spectrums that will stay here with me. And it will be between you and God to figure out what needs to be done as far as that goes. And so when, when we talk about anonymity in that aspect and, and like what we were sharing before, you know, keeping in confidence what you see and what you hear and who you see and, and that kind of stuff, it's important that you have that trust that your counselor isn't going to fucking mm-hmm. go and, mm-hmm. and, and tell your story to somebody else that, that, you know, if you share something in a meeting that, that somebody in that meeting isn't going to go tell your probation officer when it's not their place to go tell them or your sponsor is going to fucking call the cops on you for a crime you committed that, you know, isn't, isn't time for you to clean up yet or, or that kind of thing. Um, and, and so I think, I think those are all aspects of being humble on, on both sides of the spectrum, being humble enough to share that stuff and trust that they're not going to. And then when you're the one that's getting that stuff shared with you, you keeping that confidence and saying, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody about this because it's it's between you and God to clean that up. It just starts with, you know, me and, and you and and that kind of thing. So um, I don't think it's a great idea either to um, go and air out all your dirty laundry right. openly. I agree. Right? Um, not knowing who's going to hear it or how it's going to affect them. You know, it's, there's, there's things that we had done to people that aren't ready to hear the things mm-hmm. that we had done mm-hmm. to them. And so, you know, recovering out loud isn't necessarily a worldwide open confession of your character defects and your <laughs> negative history. It's, it's really not, you know, it's, I think recovering out loud is more of, uh, people in general understanding that drug and alcoholism, dr- drug addiction and alcoholism exist. Yes. That, many 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 people are affected by it correct and that many 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 people recover from it and that we are on the recovery aspect of that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we no longer use and drink and when asked or given the opportunity to share how that has happened then we move forward and share how that has happened right like like but it doesn't mean i'm gonna fucking admit everything yeah well and there's aspects like you know my wife knows i'm an alcoholic but she doesn't know every detail of my past or does she need to yeah exactly and there's really only two people that do you know not i mean every detail every detail you know there's me and there's one other person and god that, that knows every detail and um and and that's the thing is like people new people that i meet that uh that you know i might bring into the fold at some point it's not anything i look to do it's something that you know i'm i don't run away from either right i'll gladly tell you anything you want to know about it um but i don't you know i don't get in your face with it either yeah and uh and for me i think that it's important as a, a process of me embracing that and being okay with it um hey this is a part of who i am and it's and it's okay and i'm not that person anymore and I'm happy to talk to you about it because um, I've accepted it as a part of who I am, yeah. And, yeah. and and it's okay. Yeah, 
And so, it's, and uh, I think, I think mostly too, like when we are talking about it, it's not necessarily the things that we did while drinking or using it's, it's the way we drank and used right. and the way that that made us feel, you know, it's not, it's not like you don't go to your employer if they ask you about your past history and say, yeah, I stole from my old employer all the time. It was more like, you know, I had really struggled with like being able to stay sober on work nights and I would come in hungover often. And, and like, that's why I don't drink at all today right. because I want to mm-hmm. be a good employee. Um, I, it, and, and it's good to have somebody to, to process, you know, how much to recover out loud with, but um, it, it's taken me a few years to be able to do it tactfully and successfully and comfortably. And I don't know that I necessarily do it correctly or incorrectly, but, um, this platform that we have here is a place for me to recover out loud. And, and some of the really neat things that have happened are, you know, people from my past, uh, catching on to the podcast and getting to see the difference between who I am now and who I was then. And, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of positive feedback going, wow, man, you know, you just, it's so great to see where you're at because there's nobody out there that wishes I was still fucking out there. Right. Yeah. There's not, yeah. nobody wishes I was out there doing the shit that I was doing, man. And, and, uh, coming from where I came from, there's a lot of people that used with me and like me that can see me here doing this thing and that hopefully gives them enough hope to take that first step Mm -hmm. to, to move in the direction that that they themselves want to go. Right. Yeah. Really. And that's, and that's what it's all about is like trying to just spread hope. Right. Yeah. And that's what we, we get from everybody who decides to share. Hopefully we get to inspire. Right people mm-hmm. <laughs> right which mike does a great job he's 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 super uh, passionate dude. super passionate he's really excited about life and recovery right now he's he's super grateful to have the opportunity so i think we'll go ahead and let him share it because he can always you know they do it better than we can so without further ado here is mike This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwashed Coffee. Brainwashed Coffee is a damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which makes it a perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. With delicious blends like coffee commitment and found a new freedom, we drink a hell of a lot of it here, and it gives us the energy we need to deliver a quality show. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee purchase at brainwashedcoffeeco.com using promo code OTHERSIDE. Clean your bean. Brainwashed Coffee. Now, without further ado, here is this week's war story. Hey, how are you doing, everybody? My name is Mike Fury, CEO and founder at Inspire to Inspire. Um, I guess my story will go a little quick into the background. I, my father was a heroin addict. My father shared needles, uh, got HIV, spread it to my mother. He died of AIDS in 2013. Um, and 2021, I came to a treatment facility that I'm in now. I kind of left too early. Uh, when I left, the idea of Inspire to Inspire started. Um, they say you do something for an hour a day for five years, you become a master at it. Well, I was a drug addict for 24 hours a day for 20 years. So I must be like the Warren Buffett of this shit. So I was looking, I'm 36, no career, no money, um, no nothing. So the idea came, I was always good with words. I was a master manipulator. My, my, my trigger 
was people's perception. What you thought about me is what mattered most. If you thought I had something and I didn't, I was cool with it. If you thought I did something that I didn't, I was cool with it. If you thought I had fucked a girl that I didn't, I was cool with it. Everything that you thought about me is what mattered most. So I had to manipulate. I had to lie. Now my lies needed lies. And then those lies needed lies. Eventually it came to the point where I couldn't even recognize the face in the mirror. I didn't look in the mirror. I couldn't even trust the own thoughts in my head. So it, it, what the drugs allowed me to do was allow me to build an ego. And the ego was able to do things and then the pride would come in and make me feel like I was doing something right. But at the end of the day, I never really experienced any kind of true happiness. Success to me is a trigger as well. What, what I, how I explain it is if you stand underneath the skyscraper and you look up, it looks like a regular building. You have to actually drop back to be able to see the speeches and its skyline. For me, when I would get success, I would run at success, just like I ran after the drugs, and then look up, and it would be boring. So I had to get high on top of success in order to feel the success. The difference now is when I have success in something, I'm a little more weary to run after it. I now back up like I'm looking at the skyscraper and I start to see where else I could be better at. So when I got out last time, like I said, I left a little too soon. Um, I started smoking weed right away. There's people that can smoke weed in recovery. Your recovery is your recovery. I back you up. I'll walk with you. Me personally, I can't because I chase the weed like I chase everything else. It starts off with, with another bad anxiety. Remember, our addiction speaks to us in our own voice. So we got to be real mindful of our thoughts. But... I, it would start off with anxiety and not being able to sleep. Then it was like, oh, I don't really feel too good in the morning. I need it for work. And I need to do the laundry. And then I need to do this. So it, it, it starts to control my life. So my last relapse, because now I'm back in the facility that I left too soon. I've been here for six months. My relapse was crazy. I started doing drugs I've never even done before. I was doing a special K. I was doing Molly, some new drug called Tusi. It's like a pink powder. It's a mixture of acid, Molly, Coke, and uh, special K. Wicked shit. But what had happened was, again, the success did it to me. I started Inspire to Inspire. It started to, I started to hold events for the homeless because I can identify. You know what I'm saying? So every month I was, you know, just go for me pages and getting donations and having once a month. So I started running these events and I, eventually I live in New York City. So the NYPD actually somehow got wind of this, came to me and they wanted to help. So they started giving me, um, you know, hand sanitizer, face shields for the events. Then the person that is going to be our now mayor in January, Eric Adams, was holding fundraisers. They asked if I would speak at this fundraiser to raise him money. I don't know fucking shit about politics. So I looked him up and I found out he was head of transit police. So I'm like, all right, cool. One identification. Who knows better about homelessness in New York than the head of transit police? You know, we live on the trains and everything like that. All right, cool. Then I read that he had, you know, police, police brutality against him. So I'm like, all right, so now he can understand and identify with, you know, the, the wicked things that the police out here be doing. Then I seen that he was holding cops accountable. So I'm like, all right, I like this guy. So I went with those three things. I spoke at the event. And again, I don't know much. So I'm just speaking like I'm speaking with job right now. And basically my message was I'm a New Yorker. I will not trust somebody in New York that is clean. 
I need someone that has some dirt on them because nobody's clean like that. And so when I was doing that, I was actually met the uh, the borough presidents, you know, the Bronx, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. And with my nonprofit, in order to get funds, we have to put proposals into the city. So now I got to meet the people that I could hand the proposals to right away. Now, remember, six months before that, I'm picking up cigarettes off the fucking floor. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm homeless at, at the end of the day. So now when I met them, the head started swelling again. The ego was back in the play. I ran after the success. I met a girl at the event. You know, I was on the news. We spoke, went to a party, started doing coke, and that was the end of it. The next week was my relapse. The decision I had to make to come back here, and this is where a lot of it, you know what I'm saying, where I'm at today with things. The decision to come back in here six months ago, I had to leave my mother. My mother passed away on Thanksgiving of this year. She wasn't just my mother, she was my best friend. Because my father was an addict, she understood the disease. And because she understood the disease, I was able to speak to her in ways my siblings can't understand because if you guys could identify, we have family members that it's black and white with them. And that's all right, that's the way they look at it. Whatever they think of us is their truth to them. It doesn't no longer have to be our truth. You know what I'm saying? We have to do what's best for us. And I had to make boundaries with my siblings. I don't talk to them today. So when I left my mom to come in here, um, it was the first time this was for me. You know, it wasn't an ultimatum. It wasn't for a job. I would attach my identity to outside objects, outside of myself, whether it be a job, whether it be a girl, whether it be whatever I was doing. But eventually, if you know you're not like me, we're going to lose it all anyway. So every time I would lose something that I attached my identity to, I lost myself once again. The first time in my life that I'm doing this for me, you know what I'm saying? I did it. My mother, we, we could get the push on the swing. It's cool. The first one, keep the swing, keep going. We got to kick and push this shit ourselves. And if we don't kick and push, I used to put it on everyone else. You know what I'm saying? I would need you to do this for me. I need you to. So if you didn't do it, I had somebody to blame because I didn't want to blame myself. This does not work if we want. Our dreams are our dreams. We don't need people to believe in our dreams. Our fucking dreams. But when we want people to believe in our dreams, we are looking for validation that is not needed. When we do this for ourselves, there's a freedom with it. But if, you know what I'm saying? If you guys get a chance to look at I tell on myself, my backyard is now my front porch. All right? So now what you're going to know, I used to have to tell you my best qualities. So the bar was always set this high when you met me. So now what had to happen? I had to keep one up in myself. So what did I have to do? I had to lie and I had to manipulate and I had to keep doing that to keep one up in myself. Now, when you meet me, you're going to know that I was a drug addict for 20 years. You're going to know that I had to clean the dirt underneath my fingernails and spray cologne because I wouldn't shower. You know what I'm saying? You're going to know that I had to hide in between cars because I owe so many people fucking money that if I seen a red car and do it had a red car had a heart this was my life you know what i'm saying sniffing so much coke that i would drink a bottle of nyquil to come down and once i came back down i get more coke to go right back up crying when i'm cutting the coke up because i didn't want to sniff coke no more but i just couldn't fucking stop this is what you're gonna know about me because our stories don't lie in what we've done our stories lie in what we overcome so now when i make it my front yard Go ahead, judge me. I don't give a fuck because you know what? I no longer judge myself now because it's out there. You know what I'm saying? I told you. It's like that movie with Eminem. You know what I'm saying? At the end, he tells on himself when he's rapping, the guy had nothing to say to him. 
When we put it out there, if people are going to use it against us, you know, they're doing us a favor. They're showing us that we need to make a boundary with them, that we don't need them right now, just for right now, because I always leave the door open for people to come in. But for right now, I don't need you to go through this. But once you get that self-respect, once you get out of the darkness, I understand the darkness sucks. I lived there. It was comfortable. It was comfortable living in the darkness. When we want to get into the light and we put that light on, we got to deal with everything we did in the darkness. And that's where it gets really hard for us. But what helps me is getting with people winning. So now when I say winning, I don't mean people with a fucking great job, a nice car, a big house, and money in their pocket. What I mean winning, I mean addicts that are in recovery, taking daily life hits, dealing with death, dealing with job loss, dealing with a lost relationship, and not getting high. Those people are winning at life. But the misconception of what, you know what I'm saying, what we think winning is, what this, this success and failure. There's a silver lining in everything. And who better than addicts? to find the silver lining because we everything that we need is inside of us. What I mean is, I know we like to think the drug would bring out things inside of us that we needed the drug. Don't you understand that our, our disease is so manipulative and so cunning that it actually brings out our best qualities and makes us think that we need the drug to come out. I understand you might think you were more of a social butterfly when you drank, but you were still a social butterfly. It brought it out of you. It didn't create it. It doesn't create nothing. It's so good at what it does that it takes what's inside. We don't need to be given recovery. We don't need it. It's already inside of us. All we need to do is see people doing it, like a baby. A baby that teaches itself to walk can walk on two legs because it sees its parents walking on two legs. Take that baby and put it in the jungle with a monkey, and I bet you it's like Tarzan and walks on all fours. But when that baby falls, what do they do? They cheer it to get back up. And guess what? The baby gets up and back and starts walking. Remember, you were that baby that taught yourself to walk. So if you can tell yourself to walk, then you can tell yourself that you could do recovery, just like we lie to ourselves saying that we didn't have a drug problem. Why? Because it was necessary in order to live that life. So now what I do is set an alarm every fucking hour of the day and just say, I can. Don't even put anything to the end of it. Just say, I can, because perspective equals potential. And where I'm at today, the word I can gives me an opportunity to do something. Something saying I will means I'm able to grow in something. When I would say I can't, I wouldn't even try something, let alone think it. When I said I won't, it just never happened. So now I can is actually a passport to success. You want to succeed, keep saying I can until you fucking believe it. Get with people that are doing I can's because I can't is a prison that we will always live in always living. So now when you get with people that are doing recovery, they could identify. We are where sometimes I think what I used to do is people's expectations of what my best should be would discourage me. Because right now we're all trying our best. Even if you're relapsing right now, even if you're getting high right now, you're trying your best, but I'm able to tell you that your best can be better. And the only way you can get your best to be better is actually get with people that are winning at this. But when we, when we try to live to other people's expectations, we get disappointed, they get disappointed. There's one expectation that we will never get disappointed. It's always expect our disease to fucking be there with us. Whether we're doing good, whether we're doing bad, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, it doesn't care what spectrum it gets us on. If we're lazy, it's gonna make us stay lazy. If we're successful, 
it's going to make us think that we're not successful enough. So now what are we going to do? We're going to overexert. We're going to overwhelm. Me, I get anxiety when I got a lot of shit to do. Then I get depression when I don't do none of it. You know what I'm saying? So see, it, it, it's so manipulative. It's so cunning. What drug-free is allowing me, I got drug-free on November 3rd of this year off 140 milligrams of methadone that I was on for 11 of the last 12 years. What drug-free has allowed me to do, one, it gave my mother the best possible gift I could have given her. She died on Thanksgiving. I got drug-free three weeks before best gift I could give her. So now what drug-free allows me is able to meet my addiction at the door. I don't, I don't let it remember emotional relapse happens way before the relapse with using the drug. That's not the fucking relapse. I think we're, it, we're wrong on that. It happens when we get feelings and we don't deal with the feelings when we get them, whether that's anger, whether that's grief, whether that's depression, when we get it, we don't deal with it. We put it in the back of our head and we keep moving. That is the worst thing we could do. We're supposed to feel our feelings. We're just not supposed to allow them to consume us. And when you don't feel it, when you feel them, they will consume you later on because it's like, this is why it's a marathon and not a sprint. Because when you sprint, what happens? You got to stop to catch your breath. And then when you stop, what happens? Everything that we're running from hits us in one shot. All those little things that we didn't address. A marathon, now you're going to conserve your energy. You're going to jog. You're going to slow the pace down when you get tired. Sometimes we have to stop in order to move forward. And that's where we make the mistake when recovery, I think. We're always trying to fix shit. Everybody, we're always trying to be problem solving. We're trying to solve other people's problems. We're always trying to fix stuff that sometimes when we stop, we feel like we're not moving forward. Me, I have to stop and grieve my mother's death when I'm not feeling right. Yesterday I woke up and it hit me. Some days I wake up and I wake up and it feels fake. And then this shit gets real. And then my addiction starts speaking to me in my own voice. Well, you know what? You don't got to do nothing today. Just stay in your bed. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what? A pill will make you feel better. It, it, it's always going to be... It, our addiction does not discriminate. It's not racist. It don't give a fuck if we're going to lose our kids. It don't give a fuck if we're going to lose our job. It does not give a fuck about us whatsoever. It just wants us to do what it wants. But has your addiction given you anything back? I gave everything to my fucking addiction. Gave my father's debt to my addiction. I will not give my mother's debt to this addiction. I will not numb this feeling because the first time in my life, I'm feeling feelings. And it might not be happiness. It's sadness. It's grief. It's a little depression. But you know what? As long as I don't pick up, I know joy's around the corner. You know how I know joy's not around the corner? It's around the corner because when I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up with regret no more. I don't wake up chasing a bag no more. So no matter what, I think we get so complacent in recovery that we forget how hard it was to stay 10 minutes fucking sober, let alone a whole goddamn day. But we get these days and we start building up these days and we think we should be so much further than where we are at times that we forget how hard it is. So yesterday I didn't want to do shit. And if I didn't do shit and then the one thing that I didn't do was get high, that was a fucking productive day. But we think we always got to be moving and that's what our disease wants. It wants us always to be moving because when you move fast, you're not able to see that the, it's like tunnel vision. Our conscious mind is always right here, tunnel. The subconscious, the peripheral, it doesn't want us to understand the peripheral. It wants us to stay on the conscious mind. But understand the, the subconscious is always picking shit up. What works for me is journaling. I write. Gratitude journal, anger journal, personal journal. When you write, 
you'll realize when you write, you'll reread it and you'll be like, you know what? That doesn't even sound like me because it's the subconscious mind coming out. We're allowing ourselves to stop. It's kind of like a form of meditation. We're allowing ourselves to stop our thoughts and just put them down on paper. It doesn't even need to make sense. It's called free writing. You just put the pen to the paper and you just start writing the ideas. It doesn't have to be a fucking uh, A plus essay. It doesn't need to be anything like that. But when we write, we're able to see our true thoughts, our addiction, speaking to us on our own voice. You ever think in your head, have this master great plan that fucking sounds great in your head, but then when you have to tell it to somebody, you can't even get the fucking words out because you sound so fucking dumb. Again, our addiction speaking to us in our own voice. We have to bring the fight to the addiction. What I mean is stop wishing that we're not going to get triggers. Stop wishing that we're not going to get cravings. Stop wishing that we're going to wake up one day and be like, all right, I'm ready for recovery. No, when we wish this stuff, the slightest sneeze, the slightest cough, the slightest thought, we're automatically going to think, oh, it's happening again. So by wishing it or not wanting it to happen, we create moments that don't need to be created. But if we could actually meet our addiction at it, could take the war. In times of peace, you prepare for war. If right now you're doing great at recovery, prepare for war. Prepare for it. Know your triggers. Know your distractions. Find the solutions. Speak to people. I knew my mother was dying. I knew it. I prepared as much as I possibly could. But this is why God is great. The day before my mother passed away, she was actually supposed to be getting released from the hospital. I got the Vivitrol shot the day before, not knowing that she was going to die the next day. If you don't know the Vivitrol shots, an opiate blocker, I could pop 100 pills to 100 bags of dope. I won't feel it. I'll overdose, but I won't feel it. So this is why God is good. That happened. So even if I thought of getting high, I couldn't. My drug of choice wouldn't even have worked. I prepared myself as much as possible. I had people in place to call and speak to. I had a pastor in place to call and speak to. But the, with the beauty of where I am and my perspective today is I find the beauty and purpose in everything. There is a silver lining in everything. The silver lining in my mother's death is that I got to see how temporary and fragile life is and how valuable time is and how valuable health is. My mother was 63. When she died, she was 68 pounds with no muscle mass. When my father passed away, she beat three different types of cancer, got cured of hep C, and lived with HIV for 30 years. So the woman that gave birth to me with life pumped that life back into me with her death. And I made promises to my mother. And this is where Inspire Inspire comes in. The promises I made to her was to give so much love to this world. So much love that when I'm X, Y, I could say that's, well, that's how my mother loved me. I, I will never turn my back on anyone, addict or non-addict. And when I'm X, Y, I'm going to say it's because my mother never turned her back on me. But the third promise, I can't keep alone. The third promise I told her that Inspire Inspire will change how the world perceives addicts. Because the stigmatism that comes with addicts is fucking bullshit. Because one addict is another addict. I understand you got AA, you got NA, you got cocaine. All right, so now let's look at it like it's a war because that's what we're fighting, a war, right? Mercenaries are hired to fight other people's war with what? Money. All right, so now alcoholics, drug addicts, eating disorders, gambling, we all have money to give each other and that's experiences. That's our money to each other to fight this war because you know what? You know what us addicts do? We substitute. 
all the fucking time. So my drug was pills. So you know what? I could go to a bar and I could have a drink, but if I had alcoholics in my life, I could get their experiences. Or I want to go shopping and start spending all my money. I could have somebody like that, internet addiction, gambling. If we were able to just bring it all together and see the interconnectedness, right? The hindrances of life. One of the hindrances of life is ill will. The fact that we see ourselves differently than each other, that we don't see the interconnectedness to each other. We are all the same, all the same. And at Inspire, Inspire, we don't call each other team, uh, family members because there's some family members that we don't like and we don't talk to. But we call each other team members. Team members meaning we can play on the same team and not like each other. But you know what? Those team members still fight to get the win at the end of the game. So we don't have to like each other. We're team members. If we could see that we can help each other and inspire, inspire, the name, the name is I'm already inspired to inspire you. And with that inspiration, I want you to inspire someone else because everyone has a contribution to our process. Everyone, whether they're living a life you don't want to live to show you how you do want to live or they're living a life you do want to live so you could ask them how not to do this like them, to find your way through their way because everyone's recovery is different. There's an interconnectedness to all of us. If we're able to see that we are the same or not even care who gets the credit, you know how great this world would be? My dream is to lift people with love, like Martin Luther King did, like Nelson Mandela did, because love conquers all. The, the violence, the hate, even anger. When you're angry at something, it actually still has control over you. Don't be angry at your addiction. Don't be angry at the things you did because it's still controlling you. There's blessings. There's transferable skills. The grit to run our lives in the ground is the same grit CEOs have. The determination to get the drug is the same determination that CEOs have. You know what I'm saying? The motivation to not want to get withdrawn, do whatever was possible, is the same motivation CEOs have. We woke up with no money and got drugs. We did scheme after scheme. You know how hard it is to not have discipline in your life? You know how hard it is to not have structure in your life? You know how hard it is to be a fucking addict? It's harder to be an addict than it is to do a nine to five. We just see the instant gratification and the instant satisfaction. So let me ask you something. How long did that work? Because using used to be the solution to the problem. The problem is the shit stopped working. You know what I'm saying? And we're not addicts because we use drugs. We use drugs because we're addicts. Understand this got to go way beyond the drug. Think of your situation right now. Think how it could get better. Think how it could get better than that. And think how it could get even better. And keep going till you get to a solution that can't get better. You know what you just did? You just gave yourself a blueprint on how to get to the best possible place you could get at. It's called pinpoint clarity. There is so much that we could offer each other. Inspire to inspire. I basically, I would love to be a motivational speaker. Of course, world speak to addicts, not addicts. That is my dream. But at the end of the day, we have a challenge at one, uh, inspire, and it's me, one life matter. One life. And by doing that, you make two lives matter because now you gave yourself purpose. That could be holding the door open for someone. That could be good morning to someone. That could even be someone that's no longer with us today, like my mother. I can make her life matter by how I live today. Celebrate her life by living my life. Stop making excuses and start finding solutions because we love to make an excuse to want to get high. And that's what it is. It's a fucking excuse. There is no reason to get high whatsoever. I can't see myself today getting high to do anything when there was one point that I couldn't do anything without getting high. 
So I'm not somebody that's gotten through the storm and is telling you how to weather it. I'm walking in the storm with you. I'm not going to tell you how to go left and right because I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I'm doing it. And that's the point. I don't need the answers to how to do this. We don't need it. We know how to do it. The answers for me would allow me to close doors to go to something else. I don't want to close certain doors. Some doors need to always stay open. Some things always need to be on our forefront. But when we think we got this, when we leave the community, when we leave the groups, when we leave them, whatever you're doing, do not do this alone. And inspire, inspire is a place that if you have the needle in your arm or you got 20 years clean, you got the same voice. Inspire is places are inspired is a place that you could come free of judgment and tell us what you're going through. We'll laugh with you, we'll cry with you, we'll crawl with you, we'll walk with you, we'll struggle with you, we'll do everything that you need that you need to get this happening. Because the gift that keeps on giving and it's Christmas is helping each other. It's our stories, are our stories are weapons of mass destruction. The only way we beat this disease is by exposing it to our stories. So I encourage you to share your story. I encourage you to find a platform to share your story. If you don't have anyone to share your story to, then you have inspired and inspired to share your story to. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Oscar Wilde said, be yourself because everyone else is taken. We try to be like everybody else. And at the end of the day, when we don't live our dreams, we become the greatest story to never be told. And the world deserves to know who we are because what we do and who we are are two different things. Uh, on Instagram, our hand, my handle is Mike, M-I-K-E, Fiore, F-I-O-R-E, 118 on TikTok. It's Inspire with the number two, Inspire with an underscore. And then at Facebook, it's just Michael Fiore, my name. I'd love to hear from you guys. You guys need anything. Listen, I can't get through this without your help. We help each other. Where I want to go, the mountains I want to climb, when we get to top of one mountain, we're going to make it to the bottom of a bigger mountain. And I can't do this alone. I need you. I need your experience. I need your help. I need your struggles. I need to know where, because I am selfish in recovery. I want all your experiences. And then I'm going to be selfless, and I'm going to give it out. So that's why we need to hear from you. I appreciate you guys for getting me on the podcast. Love you guys. Inspire and inspire. Oof. Powerful. Mm. At the end of the day, be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but I, I dig that, man. You know, and it's true. You know, we do this so that we're not the greatest story never told. It's, yeah. Right? Yeah. The way he puts that, it's uh it's a very strong argument for recovering <laughs> out loud. Yeah. Um, I think that it is important. Yeah. Uh that, you know, we if if we want that we um, let others know that it can be done. And what I really appreciate about his story is it's, you know, he's, he's 45 days sober. I mean, more than that now, but he, uh, he's, he's going through this with all of us. Yeah. Right. He's going through it with all of us. And I think that, um, uh, how cool is that? Yeah. He found some purpose and, right. and despite an entire lifetime of using and drinking family, using yeah, family and, history. Yeah. You know, dying from his dad died from AIDS, which is pretty amazing. You know, powerful. His mom just died on Thanksgiving, and and uh, so that that's fresh. And he takes the time to to grieve that, but then he takes the time to go and recover a lot, try to find people to help, and you know, give give what away he can so that he can keep this recovery thing going yeah you know, well, inspiring he can, people he can already see some miracles you know like where he's he's been able to uh well he was able to basically die so or 
to be with his mother and, yeah. and you know, and he was sober. She lived she long died. enough to see him get clean. That's right. Um, and, uh, and I know a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then he's got, uh, he's got a lot going on with the inspire to inspire. He's been asked to speak a lot of places and he's rubbing elbows with some people in New York and, um, yeah. and you know, that's super cool. I'm excited yeah. to see what happens for him. Yep. And, and, and when we do that stuff, you know, that's why it's just, I think it's so important that, that we stay the course, why, why it's so important for us. You know, any of us that have a platform to share, you, that we that we maintain it to the best of our abilities, no matter what, either drop the platform, uh, drop the platform before you drop your recovery. That's because right. people people are watching us, man. And and there's two things that are happening. And I learned this early on as as people started learning that I was recovering. You know, there's there's the haters that want us to fail. You know, the people that are out there using and drinking that want us out there miserable with them and the people that are out there using and drinking that want to see us succeed because we are the example that they need. Hmm. You know, we're, we're that guy that if they ever got as bad as I ever get as bad as Willie, I'm fucking quitting. Yeah. You know, and then now here I am, you know, if I ever get as bad as Mike, I end up like him, but then all of a sudden here's Mike rubbing elbows and, and helping the homeless and, and being this nonprofit that that's helping all these people you know if if we maintain this and we stay here then in one year in five years those seeds that we plant today will come back and they'll see us they'll see our growth they'll see that we we're different even than we were now right like people that saw me five years ago that are just now coming back remember me from five years ago and i'm not the same person as i was back then but i'm still here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. still here still doing this still fighting the fight still against, fighting. against myself against the cravings against every excuse to go back out you know against the ego and and trying to remain humble and live a life of spirituality that's worth living that we can give away you know and mike's giving this stuff away and, and uh you know you go on his platform and you'll see him giving food to the homeless and being transparent about what he's feeling at that time mm -hmm. and 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 what he's going through and um you know uh just just being out there putting it out there so that people can know that they're not alone yeah well, and I think that, um, you know, it sounds to me like that's a big part of his recovery is, is sharing all this stuff in an open way. And that's the thing is I think that it's not a part of everybody's recovery, but it is, um, you know, it, it can be very, very powerful to just be that open and honest and transparent, um, with the entire world. <laughs> um, it doesn't always need to be all that. Um, but you know, some people get a lot of value from that. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, that there, there can be a lot of power in that. Um, but the important part is really that we're open and honest and, and with ourselves. And I think as long as we're doing that, that there's hope. Yeah. And that's what we need. Need a little hope. Yes. And I appreciate that Mike is out there spreading it, spreading so. hope, inspiring people, you know, and he's right. Yeah. You inspire me. I inspire you. That inspires somebody else. And just keep it rolling, man, to 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 live a life worth living. Hope is contagious. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So is bullshit, but we try to stay away from that. We do our best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do our best today. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Yeah, dude. thanks, brother. It's been it's been fun getting to know you. So 
Yeah, another another good one. Yeah, they're goat all good. One. Another yeah. goat one. Good story, good topic, good thing to think about. You know, how 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 am I as the example of a person recovering out loud? And you know, hopefully I am that guy that that people want to want some of what I have. No, you are. So oh thanks. For me. Thanks, man. I love you. I love you too, brother. Let's say we get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Jordan, thank you, buddy. Jordan. Ryland. Ryland, thank you. Everybody Cameron. who listens and watches the yeah. show. Yeah, Cameron, thank you. Thank you. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Bye, everybody. Yeah, we will uh, we'll see you on the other side. Remember, you are worth the work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.